0: Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast, I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for being here again. I do believe we all want to see our children grow and thrive, but we might not always take the time to think about what it means to raise children that aren't conformed to the world, but are being raised instead to be conformed to Christ. So it's a real joy today to welcome Lee Nienhuis to the show and talk with her about what it means to raise countercultural kids. I've been very blessed for some time now by Lee's passion to apply God's Word to every area of life, and I've been looking forward to sharing this chat with you, so let's jump right in. Welcome to you, Leaning Heist. I'm so happy you're here today. Thanks for joining me. Bethany, it's so fun to be with you today. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Just give us a little snapshot of your life and some of your testimony.
1: We'd love to hear. I would love to. My name is Lee, and it's L-E-E. Spelled like a boy. It's just always been one of those fun names to have. I'm married to Mike and we live in West Michigan at a Christian camp and conference center. My husband's the facilities director here. And that just happened recently. So now we're both in full-time career ministry. We have four kids, three teenagers and one 10-year-old, which keeps us really busy. And let's see. I came to know Jesus when I was 17 years old. I came out of a broken home. My parents were divorced. And when I came to know Jesus, I was discipled really well. A youth pastor put the word of God in my hand and he said, this is going to heal your mind. And And I I know, right? He just did such a good job. So I started reading scripture and I just realized I belonged to him and that I wanted to serve him for the rest of my life. So really that's, been my preoccupation for the last 25 years is just how can I serve Jesus with what I have, the gifts that He's given me, and just steward this message of the gospel.
0: I love that so, so much, Lee, And I'm really excited for this conversation for a number of reasons. But you are a writer too. We've been connected through Hope Writers for a couple years. So I've been following you there. And you have a book, a couple books. You have one that's Brave Moms, Brave Kids. Am I right? I guess right. I know, right? Yep. Yeah. And then and you just have a new one coming out. Tell us about countercultural parenting. What is this book about? What inspired you to write it? And tell us also, I want to hear, what are you
1: hoping the Lord is going to do with this for families? Oh, I love that you asked that. So yes, countercultural parenting began kind of at the collision of two moments. The first was that I discovered that my kid had a character issue, right? Like I caught him in the middle of a sin moment and I had just released Brave Moms, Brave Kids into the world. So I was like, oh my gosh, what did I miss? So that was the one road that I was traveling down. The other road was that... I woke up the morning of the last election in America, and before I flipped open the news feed to figure out who won the election, I was laying in bed, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, no matter who won, I don't even know. I know that we lost because there wasn't a candidate that represented us with, like, integrity. It just felt like integrity had lost that day. Mm, And I realized at those two moments were just colliding. I realized, like— we have an us problem, right? It it was so easy to look and go, all of these leaders, they have integrity problems. No one represents us well. And then it was happening inside my home too. And I realized actually we have an us problem, a character problem at the core of who all of us are. And I realized that it wasn't just out there. It was within the church. Moral failures were happening all the time. And so I was asking, Lord, what really is character and what could possibly change this culture that we're in?
0: Mm, That's just an important conversation because you're right. I mean, God has kind of given us the leaders that we've asked for, you know, in a lot of ways, like this is what our collective I guess our collective decision-making has brought to us. And so it is a problem that starts originally in our hearts. I've just actually been reading through Ezekiel and Mm. just thinking about a lot about how God is ultimately just, you know, he is faithful to his people, but at the same time, we have an unfaithfulness problem and it does, you're right, it just starts in our character. I know that a lot of these, a lot of the time, these kinds of conversations about being countercultural can be confusing for people. So can you explain for us what does it mean to be countercultural as
1: a parent and what would that look like for our kids? Sure. Actually, I just want to back up a second and say that as I started just thinking and praying about this, I really felt like the Lord dropped on my heart that society is just a barometer of a large group of homes, right? So it's just like... absolutely. That's what we are looking at is society is just one home after another home after another home, and then we lump them all together. And so the work of rebuilding those can start in my home. And that's really what I think God led me to. I also think that that's also the hope that we're asking for, that these women that are listening right now with us is the hope really is, is that change can happen when it starts in one. And what does it mean to be countercultural as a parent? Well, the truth is, is that I don't think we're looking for just to swim upstream to swim upstream. I think that it's being conformed into the image of Jesus that's countercultural, right? Right. So it's looking to him for the answers, it's pointing to him as the solution. And so when we look at countercultural parenting, really countercultural parenting begins when we say the goal of parenthood is to help raise children to know and love and worship Jesus and to be conformed Amen. into his image. It's the way that our children and that we live that out is that will make us countercultural. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It
0: definitely does. I, I love that definition. So good. And so for our kids, is there a certain point that you find like they start exemplifying countercultural living or does that kind of just vary? Do you find from, from family to family? Well,
1: I think I almost want to lob that question back to you because you're in the middle of it yeah. too. Maybe <laughs> just a few years behind me, you know. But I think that countercultural living inside of our kids actually happens the moment that they accept that they have a God that rules over them. Right. And yes. so. Yeah.
0: Okay. We start. We're we're totally on the same page. I get it.
1: Yes. So, like, just believing that they're not the boss of themselves makes them countercultural,
0: you know? And 100%. Yeah.
1: Our homes are immediately countercultural the minute that we say, this home belongs to Jesus. Here we honor Jesus. So, that's the starting place, right? And they're training in becoming. Christ followers and being countercultural actually just be- begins day one. It can even begin in the womb when we pray that prayer of dedication of our child to God. So I think that's when did you figure out that the way you were raising your kids was different than the world?
0: I think I basically what you're exactly what you're saying. And I love that you're that you're talking about this because this is. Pretty much parachuting your thoughts right into the middle of my my parenting right now. It's like I'm I've been doing this since they were born. Essentially, like you belong in our family, where our family belongs to Jesus. We are going to live under His lordship and. And that's the home you've been brought into. And so, yeah, I would say from day one, but then when you start to see your kids acknowledge the lordship of Christ in their own life and the fact that they don't belong to themselves is such a powerful moment, really. And that is such an encouragement to see them taking that on and and choosing to live counterculturally themselves, which is, you know, you... You're going to lead them. You're going to be with them every step of the way. But it is such an enormous blessing from the Lord when they start owning that for themselves, you know?
1: Yeah. And there's a point where it became really clear to me that my kids were free agents. Like, I'm sure we're going to get into this in a little bit. But when when I caught my son looking at pornography, which was what happened, that event that I talked about earlier, I I realized that a couple of things were happening. The first was like, I was starting to take pride in the way that my kids were being raised. And I knew better, right? I know that this is for the glory of God. But something happened in that moment where I was like, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and something's not working. And then I realized the something was that my child had a will of his own, right? Right. And that he was a free agent. He had to choose to follow the Lord on his own. And so the goal all of a sudden was like, okay, number one, I need to unwind my identity from his choices, which is so difficult as a parent to realize like he's going to make his own decisions. But also that the goal was not just that my kid would follow all God's rules, even though that's what I want. I began to just say, Lord, what, is, what are we looking for here? What is missing? And I just really felt like the Lord said, the goal of all of this, Lee, is the same as it is for you. Romans 8, 29 says, it's that we would be conformed into the image of Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect representation of God. And so that really is what character is then. Character is who God is being imaged to the world. When we start to set that as the goal and we disconnect our identity from theirs, we begin to just say, okay, how can I help my kids be molded into the image of Jesus? And so that starts to affect our discipline too, you know, and the things that we say, the things that we don't say.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes so much sense.
0: Talk some more about that personal experience of of your son. And I'm obviously assuming that he's on board with sharing how the Lord has used this for your family's sake and just how that would be a really hard thing to have come forward. But would you share about this journey that you've been on and some of the wisdom you've gained from parenting him that you feel like would be a blessing for our
1: audience too? I would love to. So first of all, I absolutely have his permission. I actually start the book with that story. He always says, mom, you can use our story. As long as you tell him that I am different and the truth is is that my son is walking in the healthiest relationship I've seen him walk with in Jesus and so that's so fun but if if I were to rewind back to the moment several years ago we caught him looking at pornography on his cell phone and I was Devastated. First of all, I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. Like I didn't see where we had made any major mistakes. I I, I think that pornography looks for our kids now. It's so easy mm-hmm. for them to yeah. stumble into something. And so that had happened with my son. And and in that moment, I realized that the wheels were off the track. Like there was yeah. some disconnect between Who he thought God was, and his and God's role in his life, and that at at that moment he was making an exchange for God's best, and so that was very difficult. Bethany, it was horrible. Of course, we like put all the protection, took away his cell phone. I mean, it took months for him to re-earn trust. But in the middle of that time, what happened was that shame started to fall off of him. And maybe for the Mm. first time, I saw this deep realization in him. My son now has an understanding of something deeper, that not only does he need a Savior once to cover his sins— At the cross, but he needs a savior every single day who will lead him, lead him away from the temptations of this world and help conform him into the man that God wants him to be. Yeah, praise God, that's beautiful. I'm so thankful and that's such a good testimony to hear cuz as a mom of
0: sons, I have 3 boys and so that is something that is really heavy on my heart. You know, we haven't reached a stage right now where we've had to really have those harder conversations yet. I mean, we're kind of getting there and we've started the started the process of some of those leading into those conversations, but we really haven't, yeah, we haven't had a lot of access to, to different technologies in that sense. So something that is really pressing on my mind and heart and the thing that I pray a lot about is that that fear, I guess, of my kids getting into a sinful pattern and being trapped in that. And so I'm so thankful to hear your son's testimony and to hear how God led your family in that and what God has
1: done for him is it's beautiful. You know, Bethany, like I know that it's easy to be afraid that our kids are going to fall into the pit because I have spent my life trying to make sure that they don't. And the truth is is that we don't want our child to visit that. I, I did not want this. I, I thought I was doing everything that I could, but the truth is, is God has a story that He's writing in their lives. And that the one thing that I know about our God is that He is faithful. And I— we had trouble in that moment going like god where are you in the in the middle of this what am i doing wrong and and i really feel like god whispered to my heart hush <laughs> hush child trust yeah. me i'm in this and you know it's been so fun to hear maybe not fun maybe devastating is is a better word but i've i've met so many moms who are like yep my kid too yep my kid too almost as such that i was talking to someone on an interview the other day and And we said we think pornography is almost like a common cold now, you know, like we just we just write it off. But the moment that you find it in your life, it's devastating. But the majority of women are going to walk through a wrestle of their own or with someone that they love through pornography. So it's kind of like we should expect it. My husband always says, I'm practicing my I'm not surprised face because our kids are going to make choices that disappoint us and hurt us.
0: Yeah. And I think the more we walk with the Lord and the more we face sin in our own lives, I find that it helps me to be less surprised by sin and quicker to just say, hey, Jesus is ready to receive you back. You know, He wants to help you. He wants to forgive you. And and then and to offer that to my kids more readily as the more I realize like sin is not a surprise to God. He has dealt with past, present, and future sins. And He did that with Jesus at the cross for us and that is our hope is that we are not on this journey to bootstrap it ourselves and to, you know, pull it all together. And God isn't asking me to carry the weight of my children's sin either. I'm I'm here to walk with them and, and He's faithful in that. And I just love your testimony of God's faithfulness. It's so encouraging to me. If, if I think about how many moms and dads that I've talked to about how much they want to raise their kids with discipline and integrity— I don't know anybody who doesn't want to raise their kids that way. I don't know anybody who says, "Eh, whatever, however Mm -hmm. they turn out is fine. Mm -hmm. But I know so many people who just don't know what that would look like for them or how to go about that or or steps that they could take. Do you have any encouragement for parents who just are not sure where to start?
1: Oh, I love this question because it means that they're searching, right? And yeah. It's kind of like I have people talk to me after events and stuff all the time. They're like, can I get this on training wheels? Because I'm new at this too. And it's true. Motherhood, parenthood doesn't come with a manual. But yes, I think there there are some things that we have to do as parents, especially when they're little. They need to see us loving Jesus. I, I thought it was really interesting that in Deuteronomy chapter six, when when God tells the Israelites they are to love him, and, and he starts to spell out what that's going to look like and prescribe that for their homes. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And and I, I think it's really interesting that he starts with us as parents loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So our first job is for us to love him. And and so this is one of those things that's going to be caught, right? And then out of that, impress those things on your children. And so, we can make an impression two ways. We can make an impression in a quick moment of force. So, imagine with me, Bethany, we took, took a quarter and we were going to you know, try to make that imprint on our children's foreheads, right? Like we're going to put the face of the president on their forehead and we're just going to hold that coin on their head and press, right? So two ways we could get that head print to show up Mm -hmm. on their foreheads. The way that we would do that is two ways. One is just like brute force, which is like, like maybe slam them with a sweat sledgehammer and they would have that imprint on them that is one way to impress right. something and Pro- a lot of other damage <laughs> right probably not the way that we want to do that. So it, it's one quick force moment. No, we don't want to make an impression on them. Sometimes God allows that to happen to us. He makes a big impression on us and like in one moment like that. But the impress that I think that God's looking for is, is the gentle one, where over a long period of time, a parent applies steady pressure of the image of God on their heads, hearts, and minds. That would mean that, you know, in 30 minutes when our podcast is done, if I held that that coin on your forehead for 30 minutes. When we got done talking, that impression would be on you. And so that's when in Deuteronomy 6, when God says, impress these things on your children, I think it's this constant, steady pressure that says, this way, child, this way to follow the Lord. And and then at the end of that says impress these things on your children and then in the end of this Deuteronomy 6 passage it says and then talk about these things as you walk along the road as you lie down as you get up and so that begins the talk 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 process which is talk talk talking about faith with our kids this is the way that we do this and so when they're preschoolers or when they're really young we spend a lot of time just trying to capture their minds their imaginations and i spell that out in the book like what are some practical ways to do that but ultimately, when they're little, I think it's talk, talk, talk. And then ultimately, when your kids are in elementary school, it it maybe morphs a little bit to talk, talk, ask them a question to check for comprehension, then listen for what they are getting, right? And then now I'm in these teenage years where they're about to launch out the door. And it seems like I'm in this stage more like, especially with my oldest, listen, 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 and then talk. Does that make sense? It's trying to figure out where they stand, where they walk. So I hope that's clear, but it looks a little bit different. But the first step is loving God first.
0: Yeah, that's so good. It really does encourage us, too, to take the long view. Like, we're in this for the long haul. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Our sanctification, our growth in Christ wasn't an overnight thing. And so it's going to be the same way with these little ones in the Lord and bringing them to Jesus means bringing them to Him over and over and over. And I'm just, that's such a blessing to me to hear that, especially from someone who's, you know, a little bit further ahead from me, like you have kids that are closer to adulthood than I do. And to think about how you really do just stay the course. You get on the road and you just stay, keep your eyes on Jesus and share Him with them I homeschool, and I don't know if I've told you that before, but I homeschool and I get a lot of questions about why we homeschool. Mm. Um, One of the things that I've made kind of a mantra just to kind of explain to people, because I sometimes don't know exactly why to say, you know, we don't, it's not because we think it's the greatest way of educating our kids or whatever, but Honestly for us the primary reason we homeschool is because we want to give our kids as much of Jesus as we possibly can and this is for us this is the best way for us to do that it's not because we are anti school it's just because this is like these are the opportunities that God has given us
1: as a couple and we actually homeschooled too for that same reason for a while because we knew that we wanted to be the ones to disciple our kids and i think a lot of times right now that that parents Feel like they're not equipped to do that. And so they pass that off on their youth pastor or on their church. And that's great for a while. But it's also really important that they step up and be the one who takes that spot and that role in their child's life.
0: For us, I mean, we're in the middle of COVID as we record this. So it's a little bit different than we might normally do. But we have people that are friends with our kids that where you just know that the people that are pouring into your kids' lives are doing that really out of a love for God ultimately. And so, yeah, you don't like, I love what you're saying. Like you don't want to pass off the responsibility of discipling your kids, but you also want to provide them as much access to the family of God as you possibly can and the people that are going to love them and encourage them. And I think sometimes online resources are super helpful as well. Good books, all that kind of stuff. You know, you just want to give them a a big feast of opportunity
1: really in, in the Lord. Yep. And and one of the things that I think is really important to remember is that a one bad day does not make a bad mom or a bad parent. So if the wheels fall off today and you don't have a quiet time with your kids or you get in a fight or Your child makes a bad choice because just like you said, we have this end game in mind, this long haul. We don't have to measure by one bad day, which I think it's easy to get real down about stuff like that. But as I look at even even the little trip to the pit that felt like we had, as I look at the trajectory Mm -hmm. of his life, that was just one moment, one snapshot in time. That does not define my son and it doesn't define my motherhood either.
0: Yeah. And that is such a blessing too, that God is faithful and he does use sin sinlessly. He can do that. He can draw straight with crooked lines. He uses all things for our good and even the sin that we maybe fall into. And he uses that to shape how we look at sin sometimes. And yeah, just his arm isn't shortened by our failings. You know what
1: I mean? Yes.
0: So for those of us who are wanting to encourage one another, maybe within the church, within maybe our small groups or our Bible studies. Is there something that we can do specifically or some ways that we might be an encouragement to each other in raising countercultural kids?
1: Mm, I love it that you asked this because nobody wants to do this alone. And praise God, if we're in a church, we we shouldn't have to, right? And just that you and I get to talk today is a huge encouragement. But I think, especially for the women that are listening, this is a sisterhood. So we are swimming upstream in the culture, but we have each other. And so practice that sisterhood and motherhood and encourage one another. So when you see a win in the other woman's child, you need to point that out and go, hey, your your kid is looking a lot like Jesus this day, or I just have seen so much growth in them. And, and on, on the flip side, I think I also want to say to my sister that I trust in love. I want to say, hey. What do you see in my kids that I'm missing? And this is a really, really brave question. But to be able to turn to a woman that I love and respect and trust and say, Do you see something in my child that I don't see? And then listen with an open heart. And this is so scary, Bethany. And I get that. But this is how we can deeply encourage one another. I tell the story of Mike and I going to confront some of our friends. About their daughter. And it was so scary. But do you know what was even more scary is that these friends that we love so desperately, that their child would stay in a pit, or walk away from Jesus, or grow up with right. this huge character flaw, and that like we value that relationship so much that we were willing to take this step of love to go, "Hey, we think there's something you don't see." And so I think that's how we could be an encouragement. It's one of the ways that we could yeah. do this is walk alongside of each other in love.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think there, I've never asked the question that way, you know, what do you see in my children that I'm missing? I think I've asked other kinds of questions, but I really love how you phrased that because I think I want to ask, I, I was even thinking of somebody like, I know somebody I want to ask that question of because <laughs> she's going to see stuff that I'm not. And she's good at encouraging me too. So it's not coming out of a spirit of condemnation or, or, you know, being hypercritical or something like that, but, you know, we can't grow without asking hard questions and being willing to receive hard answers. You know, sometimes it's like those, the hard words actually work to make our hearts softer. They might hurt initially, but ultimately they make our hearts tender to what the Lord is doing and what the Lord needs to do in us.
1: And, you know, It's such a redemption story because just this morning, our friend's daughter was sitting at my kitchen counter in the middle of COVID-19, sitting at my kitchen counter helping me with work. She's one of my essential workers right now. And that would never have come to fruition, that we would build a relationship where I get to help be a part of her discipleship, her walk, and she gets to be a part of my ministry if we hadn't had that hard conversation And I just praise God for friends who are willing to lean in and minister to my kids. It's just like you said, I want them to have other adults walking alongside them and pointing them. But I think sometimes we shut that down out of fear of what someone might think about us. But the truth is, is that when we walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, you know, and the blood of His Son cleanses us from all sin. I mean, like, I really do think this is for our healing, that we would participate Mm -hmm. in each other's motherhood.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that I just have loved is having the kind of relationships with friends and other couples that, you know, my husband and I have said to one set of friends in particular, like we fully expect that there will come a day when one of our kids is going to hate something we said, and they're going to go and complain to this close friend couple, you know, or they'll hear about it from their kids that our kids complained, you know, something will happen at some point. And I said to my friend, and I just love that I know that you're not gonna sit there and tell them, No, your parents are perfect for you and they do everything right, but you're gonna tell them about Jesus and you're gonna give them the gospel. And I can trust that. And so I'm so thankful for those kinds of relationships and how God works through community and how he uses his people collectively to work together counterculturally and, and And at the same time, what you were talking about, how, you know, change can start in my home, that it starts small. It's a little seed that God uses, and He's doing this all so well and Mm -hmm. so much bigger and better than we can even dream.
1: I, I have a red mug coffee mug that's on my dryer in my laundry room and I call that my kids counseling fund and so when loose change falls out in the dryer like it always does I put it in that cup and they are always like what are we saving this cup for and I'm like this is your counseling fund and we've had this this long joke for a long time but here's this realization there are no perfect parents there are none except our heavenly father and he has all kinds of prodigal kids and he's perfect And so I just think we embrace this, that we are in this journey walking towards the Heavenly Father together, and we're not going to be perfect. But as I I speak, as I go around and survey audiences, about 50% of every audience that I have been a part of, when I ask the question, how many of you remember your parents asking you for forgiveness, about half of the audience raises their hands, which means that half of the other... People sitting in that room have never had their parents come to them and ask them forgiveness. And that really is hard. devastating, right? Because, like, I asked my son um, several years ago, why should parents ask for forgiveness? And he's like, because we know you're doing it wrong. And <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. They know when we sin against them. And so we are going to, let's just model the gospel. And this time, not just make them say, I'm sorry, but we are the ones who let them play the part of the Heavenly Father who does the forgiving, right? And so we just live in this gospel parenting.
0: Uh, I just completely agree, Lee, that asking forgiveness is such an important part of living out the gospel in front of our kids and demonstrating to them the character of God and really showing them that no one is above needing Jesus at all. We all need Jesus they need to see that we need Jesus, and I love I love that story. Thanks for sharing that, Lee. I'm going to ask you the the last, I ask every guest, and I love all the different answers I get. I can't wait to hear yours. What has God been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with Him? Mm,
1: I love this question; It's so good. But you know, one of the things that I'm finding deeply encouraging right now is reading about revivals in history. Mm. It is you and I our recording. We're still in the middle of COVID-19, and I I don't know how long we're going to be in the middle of this, Bethany, but in the middle of this, I'm asking God to move in a way that He has not in a long, long time. And so I'm reading stories right now about the Welsh revival, the revival that happened in Wales. And it is so encouraging to see that God can move in such a dynamic way that lives can be changed. So right now I've got my eyes set on revival. I'm praying a lot about it. I'm reading these historical stories, and it is bringing me life and hope right now.
0: Wow, that's fun to hear that's really encouraging. My husband's actually been talking about the same thing. Just He just said praying over and over that God will bring revival through this situation. So we are praying with you for that. Thank you, Lee, so much. I've loved this conversation and I just, I love this message and I'm really excited to read your book. I haven't actually gotten to read it. This is one that I haven't read yet, but I love the topic and I'm really excited to get my hands on it. I hope other people will pre-order it and just use it for
1: God's glory in their homes. Oh, me too. Thanks so much for having me today, Bethany.
0: Thank you again so much for being here. If you'd like to hear more from Lee, you can find her at leighneinheiss.com. And as always, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Women Encouraged or on Facebook. If you search for the Women Encouraged page, you'll find us there. These words from Romans 12, 1 to 2 make an excellent family exhortation. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friend, all that we are is to be offered to the Lord in worship. All that shapes us should be what is acceptable to Him. May the minds in our homes be renewed by the word and may our lives be transformed by our God so that we will be able to discern what is good and what is his will for us.